Welcome or welcome back to the Football Card Quest, everybody. Got my main man here, Carter the Power Bryant. And we have a special guest today, Paul Hickey from NoOffSeason.com. And uh, a longtime collector, sports enthusiast, fantasy football gamer. His uh, his website, NoOffSeason.com, started out as a fantasy football website. And now he's got the critically acclaimed sports card investment report. It is very dialed in. Paul, how you doing? I am phenomenal. I'm really happy to be here with you guys. Thanks, Andy and Carter, for having me on. Yeah, Paul. You know, it's interesting. We were talking before about like football, basketball cards and all of that. What's interesting is a lot of people that watch our show, they, they just do football cards. But there are some people that do football cards and basketball cards. And you do it all. You do some baseball as well. Is it difficult in, in your mind to, to keep up with, with multiple sports? Very difficult. Very difficult. In fact, I, uh, I kind of, you know, I do multiple sports for the love of it because, um, I think it's fun to, uh, get involved, right? Like I think similar to the reason why people would maybe jump on like, uh, a fan duel or a draft Kings. Uh, it's kind of fun for me also to talk to my, my son, who's uh, about to be 13 this year right. and he follows all the sports. And so for me to like, get excited about having a rookie card, some, some prospect in soccer or prospect in baseball. It allows me to have conversations with more people. You know, that's probably one of the reasons why I dabble. But um, what I debate all the time is if, I, if I'm truly trying to make money uh, investing in sports cards, it probably does make more sense to specialize. Uh, so like Andy and I think yourself, you guys both sort of specialize in football card investing and you're both very successful at it. I think I'm probably not as successful of a sports card investor in part because I do dabble in a bunch of sports, but I do think, and thank you for, thank you, Andy, for uh, dropping the sports card investment report. Uh, that really means a lot to me um, because th the sports card investment report does cover all sports. And so um, buying and investing in all sports does help me do a better job creating content at nooffseason.com. So I might, I might not be making as much money flipping cards, but I think I'm, I'm doing a better job probably producing content um, for all of the sports and, have, and having conversations with more people about it, which, which is just kind of the fun of the hobby, right? So that's kind of why I do all of them. Yeah, that's, it's so interesting to me. And Andy and I talk about this a lot privately, like our decision to just focus in on football cards. So, you know, I like all of them. Right. My dad, my dad was a basketball card collector. I have a lot of friends that still do baseball card collecting because of the good old fashioned and old school days. Yeah. I'm going to put my Ted Williams card in the spoke <laughs> of my bicycle. Uh, right. there, there's so much history, obviously, with, with baseball cards. And you're obviously very familiar with soccer cards and all of that. If someone were to listen to this for the first time and they say, look, I've only done football cards but I want to dabble in a few other sports, what would be some advice you would give them? Yeah, great question. I would say for baseball, focus on Bowman, Bowman first, Bowman first Chrome. Um, and I'm, I'm answering this Carter from strictly like a, a making money, making profit okay. standpoint, giving yourself opportunity to stay in the game. Even if you pick the wrong player, if you, even if you're horrible at player prospecting, you can make money on baseball cards just by having the right card. So, I mean, if you, you get Bowman first Chrome auto of really anybody, it's, it's going to have, you know, there's, it's going to have a market. 
um, because the baseball card market is all about prospecting when it comes to uh, making money. And then, of course, there's the collector side, which I think flexes over into Tops. Uh, Tops has a lot of different releases, and um, you know, there's uh, people that like to build those sets, and so that's a different part of the market. Um, for soccer, it's actually pretty similar to baseball. We talk about that a little bit more on the Sports Card Strategy Show. Um, Kendall McKee and I host that show, and we, we've been starting to talk a lot more recently about uh, the, the overlap or parallel, I guess, between soccer and baseball. So if you go anything tops in soccer, um, and it's just going to have more value than Panini. It's just for whatever reason, it's, it's like so um, the true soccer investors are going tops UEFA Champions League releases. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's an exception in the U.S. market with a guy like Christian Pulisic and other members of the U.S. men's national team. Um, very few exceptions. He'd be one of them. You get, like his Kaboom, for example, from 2017 uh, in, a, in a United States of America kit uh, does a lot better than, than his Kaboom in a Chelsea kit. Um, and I think that's just because Americans probably are more familiar with U.S. men's national team uh, than Chelsea. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's why. Uh, and then for basketball, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in basketball prospecting as well, but not as much in, it's not as safe as baseball or soccer, but the prices are a little bit lower. Like to, to baseball prospect, it's highest prices, but the safest investment. Um, soccer is kind of like between basketball and, and baseball in terms of like the prices you're paying for the top prospects. The thing I like about basketball cards is um, you can get, you can go back and get a guy's rookie card or, or some kind of um, some kind of insert or numbered card. And you know, you, you know, their career basketball is a little bit easy to, easier to follow. Basketball is easier right. to follow because there's two rounds of a draft every year and that's it. And there's not that many players in soccer and in baseball. There's a ridiculous amount of teams. The systems are different. Uh, you've got baseball players coming in from different countries that aren't drafted. In soccer, there is no draft. So I would say just it, it, concluding this, uh, basketball is easier to research, easier to follow, easier to get in on. Uh, if, you, if you haven't done basketball card collecting before, I would just go back and research the NBA draft results. That would be the place I would start. Um, but you can't do that for really for baseball or soccer as well. So that's kind of the biggest difference. And football is more like basketball in that regard because you can go back and research drafts and get that. Andy uses the phrase draft capital a lot, which I really, that really resonates with me. I think that's a big thing. So basketball, you can do that. And you really can't do that as much in the other two sports. So that is so interesting. And Andy, like this is what fascinates me, right? So um, Paul, I'm very familiar with European soccer. Uh, I, I, I used to do some radio in European or international soccer and all that. And just went to Liverpool for my first ever game. I'm a big Liverpool fan. And I actually know like a decent amount about like all the leagues, Syria, La Liga, and all of it. And I've heard you on your show talk about how complex it is because, yeah. you know, like in the NFL, we have all these hype cycles, right? You have, you know, the draft and the Super Bowl and all of that. In soccer, you got Champions League and then you got World Cup and then you have them in their international uniforms, it, it just seems like it just overwhelmed me. I just could not do it. I'm not smart enough with money and, and all of that. And it's crazy how well you guys break that down. But I heard something very interesting before we jumped on here. 
you said football cards might be the riskiest. Did, did I hear you correctly, Paul? Yeah, I think um, I feel like they could be the riskiest because of injuries. Uh, the the career length of NFL players is way shorter than soccer, you know, international football, soccer, and um, and baseball and basketball. Um, and like, I'll give you an example. I want to get your guys take on this. this. Is actually something I was hoping we could talk about. Uh, is like last year I bought a Kadarius Tony Panini Black RPA when he was injured, and I just by the luck of everything, I listed it right before this very rarely happens to me, but I listed it right before, I think it was maybe week four or week five. Andy will probably know off the top of his head comes in and catches like 12 balls for 147 yards. And then he get and, and, and I, it sold, I think it sold. I think I bought it for like maybe $35. I think it sold for close to 150 because of that game. But he was injured in practice the next day, or I think he might have been injured in that game and then didn't come back Wow! Uh, for about six to seven weeks. And like my window on, on making money on that Kadarius Tony card was literally like probably 12 hours. And, and just by the luck of the draw, it was, it was up on, it, I had it listed on eBay. And I just remember thinking, okay, that was a win. I had, a, I had some other losses. And, and you can flip football cards during football season. But I think if you if you are going running back or wide receiver, um, you, it takes a big performance to get a profit margin, and it's hard to get consistent performances out of those guys. So so I think timing it, timing it is harder, and then I think uh, yeah. the risk of injury is greater. But I'm interested to your guys' take on that. That's why I think football is riskier. But what do you guys think? That's why I'm a big proponent of doing buy it nows on eBay, especially with skill position players, because timing uh, when to end an auction or when like a, a wide receiver, for example, that has arguably the best combination of being able to buy and low, like that Kadarius Tony example, and then sell them high when they when they hit that spike week. They get a four touchdown week. Uh, they totally break out. Obviously, Kadarius Tony is very electric player. He doesn't have a, a lot of college stats. Um, but he is extremely electric with the ball in his hands and uh, big market with, with the New York Giants. So I'm like, all right, that's the kind of card. Be ready. Have it listed in a buy it now. And and don't get greedy. Like Carter and I talk about this, not getting greedy on cards like that because you, you don't know when that window, that opportunity window, like the Giants overall, do we really expect them to make a playoff uh, push this year, especially behind the, the Eagles and the Cowboys in, in their own division? So it's like, no, not really. So when it comes to the playoffs, they're probably out of it. And then Kadarius Tony cards dip back down. Plus you have, you know, a, a limited amount of games that he could be relevant in this year. Yeah. And, and to follow up on that, you know, because of what you said, Paul, it's a good point about the riskiness. That's why only quarterbacks really, you know, move the needle because they have the longest career lifespan and, you know, we I, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, the running back market and the wide receiver market can can be so fluid. Right. I mean, like I'm wearing my Michael Thomas T-shirt right now. I I, I mean, there's no telling that we would have saw what we saw in these last couple of years, which is just pure inactivity. So, man, it's it's crazy to really think about now that you put it that way, just how fluid and risky all of the football card market is which, out of all of them, which one would you say is the most liquid? Which one do you think 
Paul, in your mind, does the most transactions? Um, I think it would. It's kind of hard to beat baseball Bowman Chrome first autos. I think if you own a, a baseball a Bowman Bowman first Chrome auto of anyone, and just for for those of you who may not know what that is, I I would assume uh, most of you watching know quite a bit about this. But for those of you that may not. It's a first means it's like their it's their first card. So it's it's a different way of saying rookie card. Technically in baseball, a rookie card is something different. Rookie cards can come out after a guy's maybe had even two, three, four years of cards. Uh, oh, they wow. get a rookie card when they get up to it. So baseball can get very confusing uh, when it comes to what's a rookie card, what's not, what's a first auto, and what's just a prospect auto. But I think the most liquid out of everything would be like a, a Bowman Chrome first auto in, uh, so that'd be baseball. Um, I, you know, I do think that another, another very liquid card that I, I don't, uh, I don't think maybe gets enough love for its liquidity is uh, just Prism Silvers in in basketball. I mean, anyone's Prism, anyone's rookie Prism Silver. Let me clarify: not any Prism Silver, but a rookie Prism Silver of of a. Of a of a top guy, of a known guy. Not that it's going to go for more than what you bought it for, but you're going to be able to sell it. Like you'll, it'll sell and it'll, and you probably won't lose that much money on it. Uh, worst case scenario, depending on when you sell. And then there's upside. Like uh, an example from basketball last year, I bought uh, Miles Bridges uh, last off season, bought a Miles, again, Michigan State, uh, yeah. Michigan State guy here. I know, I know much love to LSU. Uh, you took Nick Saban from us back in the day, um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm a Michigan State guy, so I bought a Miles Bridges um, silver rookie silver prism rookie auto and just bought it raw. Had it graded with SGC. Luckily, got an SGC ten and um, big profit margin on that. It sold for three hundred and fifty dollars after he started uh, last season off hot in November. He won, I think, Player of the Month in the East. And so those things, but anybody, anybody's um, rookie prism silver in basketball, if, if they're anyone to, to, if there's any, if there's, if they're on people's radars, th- those are going to be liquid cards. Of course, there's more liquid, but those, those are kind of the two most off the top of my head from my experience. You know, what's interesting, Paul, is that you mentioned about, you know, targeting certain sets that are more liquid because I've, I've recently had uh, one of our guys, shout out to uh, TV 12, his name in, in our discord server. And he sent me a, a, and, and I'm not a big basketball fan. Obviously, I, I don't watch any basketball or anything like that. I'm a d- totally dedicated to football cards. But he sent me this a- Andrew Wiggins card. And he's like, yeah, I don't get this, Andy. I, I can't sell this card. It's a it's a horizontally formatted select jersey patch card. But it doesn't have an autograph. It is horizontally, horizontally formatted. It's only got one color in the jersey patch. And it's serial numbered 60 out of 60. So it does have a book in, but he can't sell it at $60. He's trying to get $60. He's trying to go with all the numbers there. And I'm like, man, it's got to be because it's that that patch is not a game worn. It's not game worn. The card's not autographed. It's horizontally formatted. I was like, I don't know anything about Andrew Wiggins, but I get he's on the championship team, but he's not Steph Curry. So it's like that card's probably it's going to still going to have a hard time selling it at a at a premium. Yeah. And we see that same actually wrote, stuff in football, you know? Yeah. I would actually, okay. So two things um, that you just made me think of. Um, one is I wrote an article for a uh, sports card investor. I, uh, they, they asked me to write some articles for them this year. So I do a monthly article for them in addition to all the content I put out at nooffseason.com. And 
my my first article for them, I think this year was just about how um, buying the right player cannot make up for buying the wrong card. Or, or you know, and, and I, I in the context of trying to buy a single and then flip a single, and then that made me think of um, also in your world uh, a couple hard. And I don't want to say hard lessons that I learned, but just like things that I learned through making purchases on my own this past football season. The longer you can wait in the release schedule to invest in like an RPA of, of a new guy or, or even of a, a veteran RPA, um, the better. Because uh, I jumped on like some certified stuff, some Panini certified RPAs. Mm. And, and those just don't do as well as even Panini Black, which I think came out maybe just a, a couple weeks later. And, and so, but the, the buy-in price was very similar. Like, I think, I think what I, what I paid, um, on the singles market on eBay to get a certified RPA versus a Panini black RPA, um, was about the same, but the black on the resale market did way better. So I don't know if that's your guys' experience, but I think that with the Wiggins example, I think that that carries across really to all sports. Like you have to, you have to buy You have to have the right card, not just the right player. And um, I think, I mean, I just learned that through, through, through experience. Like, I don't know if I would have learned that by consuming content. I don't know how you guys feel about that. No, I, I like that. And you know, it's funny. I'm looking at the nooffseason.com report and Andy, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of trivia here. Um, so Tom Brady is the number one. And I want to ask about this top 50 um the top 50 sports card investment report so first thing paul what what is that explain to people what what do you mean by the top 50 sure so along my journey of sports card investing i kind of thought um what's the process like if i if i were to explain this to uh, a friend or a family member who knows nothing about the world of sports card investing that we're all in right now um how would I enter them into that world? Um, and that's kind of how I thought about the sports card investment report when I first launched it. And so, but then you, you immediately realize you have to start factoring in value to the actual target audience. And so the actual target audience for the sports card investment report would be um, anyone who's spending say 500 to $1,500 a month investing in sports cards mainly for the purpose of a little bit of maybe 10 to 20% PC, but basically 80 to 90% moving for profit. So with that said, I look, the way that I put together these rankings is what's going to be liquid within the next uh, 12 months that, that you have a ch- where there's markers ahead for each guy or, or, um, or female when we, there's some females on the sports card investment report, if you, if you nice. dig far enough into the other sports, um, nice. but for the athlete, What's going to be lit, not only liquid, but what's going to, what markers do they have coming up that could drive profit? So like, for example, when Brady retired, uh, it was clear to me that he wasn't going to have that many. He, there's a couple markers, like, of course, Hall of Fame, things like that. But when he came back, then it was like, okay, <laughs> if, this go, if this guy goes back and wins another Super Bowl, things can get out of control again. Um, things will probably get out of control as he performs throughout the season and performs well. So Brady number one, while you might look at that and go, wow, that's not really like a sleeper pick. Like what room is there for profit? 
I kind of look at it like if you were to give me 30 grand and want me to make your 30 grand, 35 grand, 38 grand, 42 grand, et cetera, how would I rank them for you? That's yeah. how I, in the next 12 yeah. months, that's how I look at the entire sports card investment report across all sports. So, so Andy, I want to ask you, I, I'm kind of shocked by that. This, uh, that this was the number two football player on the nooffseason.com sports card investment report. Andy, can you guess who the number two football player is behind Tom Brady on the super duper official Paul Hickey, nooffseason.com sports card investment report? Oh, I think it's a guy that you've been talking about, Carter. Um, I honestly haven't looked at it. Um, I'm going to guess Lamar Jackson. Look at you, Andy. Look at you. They're, they're you know right. you looked at it. You know you looked at it beforehand. No, no, no. I, 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 you know, it was going to take me too long to pull up and everything, so I just – no. No, but, um, you know, Paul and I have been collaborating on the football card rankings, and I have been writing some oh, profiles okay. for him. And so, you know, I do – I do do a football card strategy show on Paul's network uh, once or twice a month. And yeah, so- that's so interesting. And and I, I listened to it and, and, and you've been great. I remember I, I never thought I'd hear a Shador Sanders breakdown, but <laughs> there we are. That's now that's that's a first first card if I've ever seen one. But that's, that's so right. interesting. Like so Lamar Jackson's. Uh, number two on this list, and I move along here once again. This is the super duper. I actually really do like this. It's my first time ever looking at it. No offseason.com sports card investment report. Number three is Mahomes, number four is Dak, Russell Wilson, five, Herbert, six, Lawrence, seven, Watson, eight, Burrow, nine, and Josh Allen, number 10. That is interesting, Paul, that Allen is at number 10 when there's not really a day where I don't see one of his cards selling. So did, did you come up with those rankings? And that that's so interesting that uh, some of the names and, and how they're ordered there, Paul. Yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, teeing that up, Carter. You did a great job there. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this. So. Allen is probably like you guys mentioned this on your show the other day. Allen is one of the top three most liquid guys in the hobby in general right now, right? Crazy. Like you, you can sell Allen easily. But I think, and Andy and I have talked about this on the sports card strategy show. Like, what is going to move the needle for these guys so that you can get some profit margin? I believe that the reason, so the reason why Allen's number 10, which I think everyone would look at this and ask the same question you did why is he not higher? It's because for him to move the needle and get you some profit margin, I believe a Super Bowl appearance is baked into that. And I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen this year. Because I think everybody also is saying how insanely hard it is going to be to get out of the AFC, right? So, Allen, great liquidity. I mean, if you rip out, if you, if you uh, pull Allen, out of a out of a rip or out of a break you get an allen card a big allen card you know then it's a top one two three (laughs) sports card investment at that point but if you but this is this is looking at if i were to go now buy into josh allen's singles um what's my likelihood that i would be able to get a return on that investment and i think he's just got to do an awful lot more to move the needle than a guy like uh lamar for example i think lamar comes back 
you guys talked about this uh, subject as well. I like what you said in your last show about if you just go one tier lower, there's just so much more value. So I think Lamar hits that next, you know, he's on the fringe of that tier. Um, And so, and I think Dak is too, right? So, and Russell, I think to me, those, that's the next tier. I have to have Mahomes there um, for, for some reasons. We can discuss that if you guys want to. And I am higher on Trevor Lawrence than a lot of other people. Um, And I think Allen is definitely one that I might have ranked differently than some other guys. Um, And I know you mentioned Kyler um carter in your last show you mentioned kyler as the next guy next tier so i i believe in him too i believe he doesn't have to do much to move the needle i think i you know i might need to look at moving him up above say a mac a trey and a uh and a justin fields in my next iteration of this that might happen um just simply because the likelihood of kyler performing in the regular season uh, and then when he gets d hop back right um could they make a playoff run? Them being in the NFC is great, right? Dak being in the NFC is great. How do you guys feel about about that? Yeah, I, I love Dak Prescott. I, you know, I mean, he's on the mother effing Cowboys, man. Like, it's crazy. If the Cowboys were to make a Super Bowl run, it, it would be just one of the biggest stories, right? I mean, like... The, the way the Cowboys set social media on fire is unlike any other team. And Dak has some star qualities about him. I, I like the fact that he's in the top five. Actually, I agree with that. Most people wouldn't. They'd be like, oh, Dak Prescott, he's not that good. But like you said, Paul, you make a really good point about prices kind of being baked in, right? Andy and I were talking about this last year when we were actually starting the show. Like how much more like Josh Allen's base prism psa 10s were than lamar jackson when lamar jackson up to this point has had probably the better career with the mvp to his name so uh yeah. that 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 it that is very 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 interesting that you have dak there and then i saw aaron Rodgers in the mid-teens that's that's that was probably the most surprising aaron Rodgers being right there yeah so one of the thing is um that i take into account that i don't know I'm interested to get your guys' take on this and the and the audience's take. You know, anybody who who comments on the channel um, would love to to know just more about how people feel about this particular uh, reason why I have some guys ranked lower. Like, so to go back and get an Aaron Rodgers card from his rookie year to me is it's it's harder. Um, not just in the sense that it might take more work, but I think it's actually harder to find investable cards. I think my take is in the era of say 2017 to present rookies, there seemed to be a plethora of investable cards available to be more liquid. Whereas the Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers era, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of non-investable cards. Like they're just, they don't appear to be as many uh, rookie patch autos that are investable or just even rookie autos that are investable. Um, And so that does play into a factor when I put together the report Um, and, you know, doing a lot of, a lot of research on Matt Stafford before the Super Bowl last year um, kind of led me to that. And then, and Russell Wilson this off season with, with it being kind of clear that he was going to change teams and I think so. I think those three guys kind of fit in that category. I think I might ha- actually have Russell um, 
number one or number two if if his sort of rookie card situation was different. Um, to buy into Aaron Rodgers' higher-end stuff is just that much more expensive because he's got that Hall of Famer tag on him already. And then it's almost like it's almost like there's a top tier and then there's a huge drop-off with not much investable stuff in between for guys like Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, and 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 even Russell Wilson. Um, that could be different in other people's experience, but that's actually that's probably the main reason why I have Aaron Rodgers uh, ranked lower. It's just harder to get into for those two reasons. I don't want people buying just any card for any player like we talked about earlier. Yeah, I, Andy, I totally agree with this, man. It, it's crazy and like – you know, Rogers rookie 2005, correct? I, I'm, I think that's right. Correct. Yeah, and then, that's right. and Andy and I talk about 2004's rookie class all the time. And while they don't have like an Aaron Rodgers top tier players, there's just a ridiculous amount of good players. And the rookie cards in that class were so good. And I hate the fact that Aaron Rodgers, like most quote unquote iconic rookie card, is him in a practice uniform. Uh, I've always found, I, I, I don't know if that makes people feel a certain type of way about it. I, it kind of does for me. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's it's it is very very strange. Uh, one last thing on the report, Paul. How do you feel about position players? I understand like quarterbacks, you know, run everything. And we touched on like the short window of position players, but we saw you know Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, two of my favorite players of all time for obvious reasons, but. Uh, how do you how do you view uh, position players whenever you're putting together a report like that as far as collectability and investability? You know, I feel I feel good about them related to football card uh, rankings. Obviously, um, they are short term window investments. They're they're the definition of flips. So, um, you know, you're going to be quarterback heavy in a, in a ranking system like this, but we do have Justin Jefferson, 19, Jamar Chase, 22, Jonathan Taylor, 23. I think there's opportunity. I know Andy doesn't like Najee Harris as much as I do. We've talked about that. I've got T Higgins up at 29 and I think we all like him. So there's opportunities. What I like about position players, which I think everybody does is their price point is so much lower. So yeah. if you, if you get creative and you find a position player, you can really win. Like you can really win if you know what you're doing. Where I think it gets tricky is, um, again, the timing aspect of it. Um, like if you, like uh, one of my one of my losses last year, which which maybe I can salvage this year, is Kenny Gainwell. I bought like six Kenny Gainwell RPAs in like the certified set and the black set because it was so cheap. And I thought I like this dude. You know, he's a fantasy he's a fantasy flyer. Why can't he be? a sports card flyer, right? And I just think like their cards can go to zero. So that's just where you have to be careful on it. But uh, I do I do like I like the spot that position players have because it makes it fun. It's more fun to me than um, placing a bet on FanDuel or DraftKings um, because if I mi- I missed on my Kenny Gainwell last year, but I still have the Kenny Gainwells. So if the Eagles offense go out there and in week one, this guy, for some reason, catches 10 balls and scores two touchdowns on like swing passes from Jalen Hurts. Um, I I can make some money back. So I like that. I like that better. That's how I see. I see position players as an alternative to FanDuel and DraftKings or Daily Fantasy. Daily Fantasy. Like 
with a lot more skill and savviness involved, right? Because you can find those market inefficiencies like you're talking about. Check those boxes, autograph, uh, serial number, some color match, some nice stuff. Yeah. I see um, one thing that, you know, Carter and I have been talking a lot about is the difference between rookie and veteran cards and like when it makes a lot of sense to um, to invest in in veteran cards or college uniform cards. Uh, so you're a Michigan State fan, right? And and that was where uh, Kirk Cousins went to college, right? Absolutely. Yep. Kirk Cousins and uh, Kenneth Walker came out of this draft class. So like Kirk Cousins to me is a prime example. And I know Kirk Cousins is kind of notorious for losing in, in Monday night football and like playoff games. But but I think that, you know, with Kevin O'Donnell there this year, obviously they're they're teed up, I think, to have the best year that they've had in, in a long time. Kirk Cousins, a career year. And like I, I talked to Vikings fans about this and they're like, well, I, I don't want a Kirk Cousins card in that ugly Redskins uniform. Like it, it's, it's so contrasting compared to a Redskins uniform to a Vikings uniform. They'd rather have something from the first year in his Vikings uniform. And, and Carter's like a big Drew Brees super collector, but in his Saints uniform, he, he'd almost rather have a Drew Brees in Saints uniform than uh, than in his Chargers uniforms from his rookie years. So I find that very interesting topic because, you know, as you can target really scarce cards of veteran players and get really good deals on them right now. Yeah, that's a great point. I love I love that. And uh, shout out to Carter saying, uh, dropping Marcus Colston on the show the other day. Marcus Colston yeah. brings back good memories for me, for sure, from, from when I had him in my dynasty team for a couple of years, so... Super yeah, but uh, but that's a good point, Andy. And and actually, I was thinking uh, this morning about I like to hypothesize about like just random things that may or may not play out. Shadur Sanders being one of them that Carter referenced, but um, but Tom Brady, right? So this kind of goes along with what you were saying. I think because twenty twenty one Prism came out so late that people may in the in the near future get things twisted a little bit with the releases. So like, I know that, for example, Dr. J's last card, I believe was a 1987 Fleer. And so that had a little bit of value in the basketball card market. I sold one this past, uh, this past, like last summer um, because it, it's like Dr. J's last card, right? So Tom Brady's last Prism card actually could be in the 2022 set which should be a lot less expensive based on the rookie class. Could Tom Brady's 2022 Prism, uh, Prism num serial numbered variation, you know, color variations and things like that, could they be a sleeper within the potentially less expensive 2022 Prism set? Whereas people might not realize that that could actually be his last card just because of the uh -huh. release schedule being so late like i think in the future people might peg this 2021 set as his last one it's not going to be because he's going to play this year and then mm -hmm. the 2022 whenever that one comes out so i kind of i kind of earmarked that one to myself as go i don't typically make those plays but i'm thinking maybe that's something like if i go buy like if if the you know you guys see where i'm going if the wax price yeah. is lower of 2022 is right. that potentially a chase i don't know 
I, I think that's one of the biggest differences between fantasy football or real football and, and sports cards. Everything that Panini does is retrospective to what happens this year. So like you want to invest in Ken Walker right now. The only thing you get is like Bowman, you stuff in his college uniform. There, there's nothing in his pro uniform to at least September. And now with the release dates, maybe even further, Tom Brady, another example, like, yeah, his last card, they're, they're not going to even maybe have a picture of from a game this year until next summer at the earliest, you know, of his final season. So it's, it's very retrospective. Whereas in fantasy football, you're trying to get Ken Walker now, whether it's in your dynasty rookie draft or your, you know, or your your seasonal redraft. You're like trying to get him now, stash him, even if he is gonna, you know, be splitting time or be behind Rashad Penny. It's like for a future breakout potential, and it's hard to stash uh, rookie uh, NFL players early because of the release schedule of Panini. Yeah. Yep. Let me let me ask you this really quickly, Paul. This uh, you brought up something interesting and. One of my favorite things about having you on the show is Andy and I, you know, we like talking about everything hobby related, but we've had to lead every show with prism release, prism release, prism, because it, it's by far like the biggest story in, in football cards, right? Um, you know, tr- national treasures, whatever. How do you feel about sealed wax releases and how does football sealed wax releases compare to that of other sports? It's been a process for me. It's been a learning process for me on this. And I think I like sealed wax as an investment. I like specifically hobby boxes because you have more chance at higher price cards that you can pull from them. I think where I, what I've learned through experience is to try to be as patient as possible because the prices Unless it's F one, we didn't. So we haven't. I haven't mentioned F one yet. I I am I am into F one as well. Wow. Do an F one show on the network. F one's a little bit different, um, because it's it's new. It's new to the hobby. There's just two years of it. But um, F one's kind of the 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 caveat. But every other sport pretty much follows the pattern of hype, hype, hype around the new release. Largest prices, uh, highest prices right at release day and for the following two weeks. And then there's a cool off period. And um, I think the longer you can wait on certain releases, the better, maybe with a couple exceptions, right? Like I think obviously like 2021 Prism could be an exception. Um, But right now, for example, like 2021 Contenders, I think the hobby boxes are considerably less than they were when they came out. in March or uh, March or April, I think is when they came out. Like I paid, I paid um, the rate, the the rate from PaniniAmerica.net. I think it was six hundred to six hundred and fifty dollars for a, a contender's hobby box. I think I got a first off the line for for even more than that. I don't think they're that right now. So my lesson is like I think sealed wax is a great investment depending on the product. You have to believe in the rookie class, obviously. Yeah. But the longer you can wait, the better because like. It's kind of like uh, in Back to the Future Part Two, where Biff had the almanac uh, from the future, uh, and so he could then make the bets uh, on the games. I I kind of see sealed wax like that. I kind of like, I think that's our real life version of that, being able to um, to see what's already happened and still make, go back and make that investment based on oh this this rookie class could have some Hall of Famers. It also has X Y Z. 
uh, kabooms in it or inserts, other inserts in it, things like that. Uh, prism color blasts and all that. So um, I do like sealed wax a lot. That's interesting. Um, before we let you go, a few more for you. Um, you know, you look at these reports all the time and Andy does, but obviously he just focuses in on football. Um, I want, to, I want to talk about retired players, right? Cause you know, I'm, I'm building, yeah. you know, Drew Brees collection and, and whatnot. Um, how important is it to actually be active playing for your cards? You made a very interesting comment a minute ago about, you know, Tom Brady moving up in your report because, you know, he decided to, to come back uh, because like one of my favorite athletes and my fiance's favorite athlete is Sue Bird. And I, I'm like kind of nice. interested in like, because uh, I, I remember being little and, you know, watching UConn and the storm and all that stuff. Um, and I, I was like a smaller athlete as well. I've always just been a big Sue Bird fan. I'm like, you know, what? It, it would be interesting now because, you know, WNBA cards are still like somewhat affordable. I'm like, man, Sue Bird is like bulletproof. She's one of the best athletes, period. I see her on Manning cast and, you know, she's just this transcendent athlete. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting when I start looking at like retired players cards compared to active player cards, because like we tend to think of them being such safe investments. But do they not have as much of fluctuation because they're not playing anymore? Your overall thoughts on, you know, retired players in general? Yeah, sure. So if you don't mind, I'll do that. And then I'll talk about uh, Sue Bird and the WNBA as well. So because yeah, I think they kind of go together. So retired players, um, the play right now to me, well, I don't have them on the report for a very specific reason that you hit on, which is there's no markers coming up for them. So I can't really, I can't really uh, put them in the, the, the only retired player I have on the report right now is Gronk. And I put retired in quotes, right? Cause I, I know Andy thinks he's going to come back, which yeah. I, we'll see. And Colin Kaepernick, they're on the report right now for very specific reasons that you know, if they do come back, that there would be a spike in their card prices. But other than that, there's no, I don't do retired players because there's no upcoming markers for them. There's nothing that's going there. Solely external factors that I have no control over uh, or no prediction ability over can move their cards. Um, so, but I do think I do monitor it and I do think it's important to monitor it because like you said, we know who they are. Um, there's, there's reasons why they have a market. There's less risk involved, but I think what the play is right now, and I'm about to come out with some content on this at no off season soon. The members have asked the, the premium members have asked, like, can you do more on retired players? Things like that. So I think what the play is right now is uh, now that PSA has reopened their value level at $30 a card, that to me, that play is now back. Um, after like almost two years of that not being an option, um, now I think it's time to go like when I, I'm going to the national this year and I'm going to look for gradable retired players cards. I'm looking, I've been looking for, um, Beckett, uh, encased Beckett cards of, of notable retired player cards, goat cards, um, that I can have cross over to PSA because the value is in the PSA slab. So you actually don't need a marker. Now that PSA has reopened, you don't need a marker to increase the value. So if you go find a Drew Brees card that you like and you do a little bit of research around um, what the PSA 8, 9, or 10 of that raw card could be, and you can get that raw card, and then there's, there's going to be enough margin for you to buy it, 
send it to PSA. Nothing is get you can wait 120 days for a right. retired player yeah. card. And yeah. so I think that's the play now. So I'm actually big into that. And um I, I won't keep I won't keep going into that, but I'll, I'll No, no, keep WNBA, going. I, I, I find this to be so interesting. Okay. So here's a here's what I'm doing. And I brought this up on the the last episode of the Sports Card Strategy show and we had uh Chase Krim from Texas Roadshow Shop. I don't know if you guys know the Roadshow Shops. Um, but it's oh, uh, Jimmy uh, the, the, from Kentucky from, Roadshow. Yeah, Kentucky and, guy, yeah. Yeah. So we had Chase on who he and his brother run the new the new Roadshow card shop in uh, Texas. And uh, I asked him this specifically, and he agreed with me. He like enthusiastically agreed with me, which made me feel good. My play since probably March has been to strategically pick um, – retired player kind of goat level retired player on card rookie autos that are Beckett either Beckett witnessed or old PSA blue slab uh, DNA certified. My thought there is getting them crossed over to PSA with a card grade and a new slab should immediately increase the value of those cards. So we'll see. I've got a few of them at PSA right now and I'm going to send another batch of them to PSA, but like I bought some magic Johnson's. I bought a Jerry rice, 1986 tops, rookie on card auto PSA DNA certified in a blue slab. My thought is get the card grade, the auto grade and a new PSA slab that $200 that I paid for that could go to five, six, $700. We'll see. Uh, but that's, that's what I recommend people take a look at. It's a lot of fun in the process and you're probably not going to lose that much. You know, you're not, your floor is still high. I think. So that's my thought there. Um, curious to your guys take the WNBA thing. Just real quick. Uh, another sort of thesis that I have, I used to work in the WNBA and the NBA um, oh, cool. for the Pistons and the Detroit shock. So I worked with Swin cash. I know Swin cash really well. And, and I worked with her. So I, um, I don't know Sue bird personally, but uh, I've been to a lot of games that Sue bird played in when she was younger my thesis, so Swin Cash actually is the VP of basketball operations for the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's go. And then yeah. we had Becky Hammond. Yeah, there we go in New Orleans. And then we had um, we had Becky Hammond, who was the assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs, very close to becoming the first ever full-time female NBA head coach. She filled in uh, for like a second half when Popovich got ejected one time. But now she's with the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA. So point is, I think Sue Bird and Swin Cash, and maybe Becky Hammond, probably Dawn Staley, are four um, four people that should have an impact in the NBA one day. Um, as the world right. has evolved into females uh, getting more opportunities, as they should in the sort of male-dominant areas of sports, you should see those four females and others um, carve out significant roles for themselves in the front office or, or benches of NBA teams. And as a result, you should see their card prices increase. So I think another play would be do your homework on all that stuff. Follow the news around, around the, the WNBA NBA news. And you could really like the Sue bird. So you bring it up Sue bird. Like that's how I think of Sue bird. Like, yes, goat of WNBA for sure, but right. also could end up running an NBA franchise one day just because of uh, the way that the, you know, the way that things are going. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, th just I think total I shot think in the she, dark. <laughs> yeah. I think she's going to be like 
uh, I, I could see her being like an analyst, like the next doors Burke. And I could see her like calling yep. a finals game at some point. Cause you know, I've seen her do broadcasting now and then Me- Megan Rapinoe and all of them. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Megan Rapinoe being her, being her wife. And obviously she's one of the biggest sports stars on the planet. I'm a Sylvia, Sylvia Fowles fan, LSU, Simone Augustus all day, but, nice. yeah. but yeah, but yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't know we talked WNBA cards. I, I do think there's a market for it. I, I remember seeing the Sabrina Inescu. Is that how you say her last name? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I, I remember, you know, Prism coming out and that, those card designs were like sweet. I was like, God, these look pretty good. I have some WNBA. I have one WNBA orange blaster over here. Uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, Andy, for, for me, as far as like the retired card thing, as far as football is concerned, you know, I, I'm, I'm going through this right now, uh, because I, I've been listening to podcasts and people talking about the, the PSA six Johnny Unitas and, uh, the, the, the vintage cards. So Paul, my, my question for you would be, obviously, you know, we had the recently retired players, so like the Peyton Manning, the Drew Breeses of the world, but just really quickly, since we don't dabble too much in vintage, what is your overall view on vintage market cards? Not only just in all sports, but, but in football specifically. I'd say there's like a handful of guys that will always have a market. And I think, um, other than the quarterbacks, I think you're looking at, and I, and I, I even think, there's a lot of quarterbacks that will not have a market that maybe people think like, I think there's heroes and then there's goats. And so I think that the goats are the Barry Sanders of the world, the Jim Browns of the world, the guys that every person, like people in Spain uh, that that not necessarily native uh, Spaniards, but people in Spain from all over the world, know Barry Sanders. And like, and I thought I grew up in Detroit. Barry Sanders was my favorite player. I thought he was my fa- I thought that he was popular because I was in Detroit. No, Barry Sanders happens to be like a guy that everybody uh, knows and loves for many, many reasons. And I think so. I think you've got like a handful of guys that are always going to have the market. I think that quarterbacks, vintage quarterbacks don't play, are not going to play as well into the future as like the current quarterback market. So what I mean by that is like, the Jim Kellys, the Dan Marinos, they only have, like Dan Marino only has like maybe really one valuable card and it has to be in a high grade. So you're, you don't really see a a real market for like the other guys that I think are more local heroes. Like even though Dan Marino was in Ace Ventura and you know, he's done some (laughs) other stuff, it's not quite to the level that you see from some guys in other sports. So I think there's actually like, what I'm trying to say is, is like actually a very fine line with vintage football. Um, and I'm interested to your guys take on that as well, but I think you got to be careful with, with who you go with. I, I don't know that you can get super creative and make money on vintage football. I think that doing what you're doing, like having a PC of guys that are like your guys, like breeze and, and Colston, um, they're more recently retired, but, um, like even going back to like, like Marino, Jim Kelly, like, I just don't think that those guys are going to into the future, I don't think that we're going to see their card value go up for any real reason. So I think it's, it's tough. Andy, I agree. I fully agree with this. Like, man, I, I traded a Jerry Rice, the card you just mentioned, 1986 tops football is my favorite football set. It will always be my favorite football set. 
It's one of my, the, the few vintage cards I, I love to collect. I mean, I traded a, a, a PSA slab Jerry Rice rookie for a, a Baker Mayfield RPA because, you know, it was numbered and there was a, it was a colorful patch and it was an on-card auto where the Jerry Rice, the, the card was a card because of the grade. And I actually did a further examination of the card and the the slab was like scratched and I, I just didn't like the card. It wasn't a good, it was a PSA 8. It wasn't a good grade of, it wasn't a good version of that card. So I was able to bring in a haul of more current guys uh, in, in a part of a trade. And that's part of why I did it. And Andy, you and I were talking about this recently. You know, if you're a big Johnny Unitas fan, it, it comes down to the grade of that card. Yeah, grade chasing is, is uh, it, I think that's what vintage cards are really focused on, right? Because you have such few uh, different variations of rookie cards. Um, and, and like you're talking about, predicted, predictable events or markers that are going to drive the values of those cards up are, are just not really like happening on a weekly monthly basis and you don't you don't have the ability to like target um, market inefficiencies like targeting auctions because there's really one card so then it becomes you know about the grade the condition of that card and uh the psa 10s can be like astronomically like we've seen like the psa 10 of joe montana's like a hundred thousand dollar card compared to his nines and eights which are very like reasonables you know just a few thousand dollars then you get to the five and six those are a couple hundred dollars it's the same thing with Walter Payton, those other cards from the 70s. So, And it's very much uh, focused on those uh, ultra-elite Hall of Famers, um, whereas today you have, you know, 4,000 different Joe Burrow cards. There's, there's a lot of potential market inefficiencies that you can find if you're, if you're checking those boxes that we know are super liquid and and you're targeting those auctions there's a lot more auctions out there and and there's a lot more raw card hunting maybe it becomes very viable you know today raw raw card buying and selling is probably i would say 75 percent at least of of the weekly ebay marketplace transactions yeah hey hey andy what do you think about like do you think that like Ladanian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, Calvin Johnson, those type of guys, how do you feel about their investable cards and what they might look like to people 10 to 20 years from now? Are those guys that, or that, that era, are, are they plays potentially for the long term? I think so, because I think even if you look at, um, like talking in fantasy football terms, if you look at the season that Jonathan Taylor had last year, yes, he was the number one overall running back. But if you go back to uh, 2000 and look from 2000 to present day, I actually pulled this up yesterday. Jonathan Taylor's season last year was only like top 30. It was like it was like ranked number 30 of, of best running back seasons from a fantasy football perspective in the last 20 years. And I think uh, fewer and fewer running backs are being used in the same fashion as the Ladanian Thomason, the Adrian Petersons, the the Marshall Fox of yesteryear, and their their sets like when they corrected the overprinting issues in the early two thousands and mid two thousands. Some of those sets have some incredibly nice cards. A lot of game worn patches as well. Carter and I have talked about this before. Upper Deck Exquisite, I think, is one of the true gem sets that are, that is egregiously undervalued, and it's mostly game worn patches, and and you just can't get game worn jerseys anymore. Like 
they're they're so rare. And and these players, Barry Sanders, even he can autograph cards today. Like he autographed quite a few stickers for Panini for 2021 Prism. And and so players can still autograph cards anytime they want. But those game worn jerseys, there's only so many of those to go around. So I think there's a ton of value in mid early 2000s time frame cards that uh, that are out there for mining. Man, I totally agree with that. And Paul, I'm glad you brought that up too, because like Ladanian Tomlinson has just some of the coolest cards, right? And also the fact that his uniform has like a gold trim on it. That's also why I'm a big mm-hmm. Saints fan when it comes to cards. If you get like one of his gold like refractor cards, that sucker pops. I mean, his gold I mean, they are some of the most beautiful cards. And Ladanian Tomlinson was just like the swaggiest guy. Right, he had the visor, and yeah, he was the, the visor, the, yeah, that was sick. And those powder blue uniforms that they would wear for man, he was just the coolest guy. And like you, if you had him on your team, you're going to win your fantasy draft, right? Um, oh man, guaranteed. Those nineties, two thousands NFL cards, I, I'm just addicted to them. Andy knows it. I, my fiance doesn't like what I'm spending on some of them, but. That's it's life, right? Uh, they're, they're such beautiful cards. Hey, uh, it Paul, makes you uh, happy, man. It yeah, counts for something. So, so let me let me ask you this, right? I I see, uh, and I don't know why I've been seeing this card. This is like totally random, but like these soccer cards uh, from Leaf that have like these eight small rectangles of like game worn patches. Do you, do you know what card I'm talking about, Paul? I actually don't off the top of my head. I'd have to I'd have to pull it up, but yeah, I, I keep see going. It. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to ask you about. It's like soccer. I okay. Like I've seen a lot of like these game worn uniforms. I saw one at a show this past weekend. Someone put it on a a buy sale trade thread yesterday, and it's in. Sometimes okay. it's not saw like this. Yes, like eight wonders of the world. Eight like, wonders of the world. Yeah, I just pulled that up too. Okay, that's that's. That's just insane to me. I wanted to ask you, Paul, about game-worn uniforms. I see uh, a lot of soccer game-worn uniform cards out there. Do you feel that's a difference, like game-worn, player-worn, and 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 all of that when it comes to these types of cards? Because of the consistent messaging from people that I respect uh, in sports card investing, you guys included in that, um, have have made statements about it. Um, Andy's talked about it on the football card strategy show. He brought up a lot of really good examples of being able to go out and get um, game worn patches, um, game worn relics, things like that. So for that reason, like it's it's been consistent messaging from like just about every content creator in the hobby that I respect saying um, this is something to pay attention to, something to search for. Uh, and hold because of the reason that Andy just mentioned. Now, Leaf gets super creative. I give I give them a lot of credit. They get super creative with what they do. Like I'm looking at one right now that has uh, Pele, Ro, Ro, uh, Ronaldinho, Neymar. I think Ronaldo. There's there's other guys. There's I uh, can't see who the other guys are on it. There's one with Mbappe, Messi, Ronaldo, Beckham uh, out of the eight. Um, so I think that they're starting to do for not having licensing. I think um, Leaf does an amazing job getting creative and selling cards. I mean, kudos to them for that. I do. I don't think these are as investable 
as other cards, but I do think there's a place for these in the market. And I'm really happy yeah. that they exist because I think that you can go out and get something really cool for a lot less money and it can still be worth, uh, you can buy, you know, I just bought the leaf pro set. I bought two boxes of the leaf pro set soccer. Uh, and the big chase in those is the, the Holland auto. And there's also Messi autos in there. It's been some controversy over, over whether or not Messi has his brother sign his autos or not. But, uh, I did buy two hobby boxes of those just because they're like $200 a piece. And so um, why not? And like, I can rip one of them with my son and like, we can have fun and see what we pull and it doesn't have to be an investment, um, but you can still get an auto. So I think that that's what I like about Leaf and Leaf Soccer in particular uh, is doing some really creative things. That's so cool, man. I let, uh, Lameem James posted this card. I've seen it before. The, the triple patch of um, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and Jimmy Clausen. And I, I want that card so bad. I want that card. That's so pretty cool. I, I want uh, just legend, legend, and Jimmy Clausen. I want that card. Jimmy Clausen with the Notre Dame connection still. So that's pretty cool. But uh, um, yeah, there's that one Tom Brady rookie card with uh, like a no name guy on it that was drafted to the Patriots. It was like a, a, a long snapper or a, wow, <laughs> like a, wow. as a bag of like, you know, the guy's like uh, forever immortalized with Tom Brady by, you know, getting printed on a, a, a dual rookie card with him. Let's go. I, I don't see those cards so quite as liquid in a lot of cases especially just like on ultra modern like if you have uh for example kyle trask and Kadarius tony on the same card you know they drafted to two different teams you know two different uh positions everything like i get the college connection but they're portrayed in their nfl uniforms so i don't know it's interesting because like it's it's polarizing you know like contrasting uniform colors different team scenarios different divisions the whole nine yards so I, I sometimes don't see those cards quite as liquid as like the solo player cards, but obviously game used memorabilia changes everything. That's, that's a game changer. Plus we're talking about goats. So. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, one, if I'll just say this, if I could have any game used, well, if I could have any patch, it would be a Nike swoosh patch of someone that I am connected with in some way. Like, could be from a fantasy football team or uh but to get a nike swoosh patch of like a big name guy is going to be way out of my price range and very highly unlikely that i would pull one but you know i have looked at uh some guys on my fantasy team and what what it would cost to get their their nike swoosh patch um but uh i don't know if, if that's a play or not but just from a pc standpoint i thought that would be pretty cool i love it hey, hey man yeah. It's all about the entry price point. I know we, we've talked about a lot of yeah. different cards, and I feel like, you know, and going back to your rankings we talked about earlier, man, If and, and that's I, I think you've got Josh Allen at the right spot because he's so dang expensive right now. That, that Super Bowl appearance this year is absolutely baked in to his prices like they were last year in the summer. And, and what happened, they lost to the Steelers week one. His prices went down throughout the year, even though he finished once again as the QB1 in fantasy football, literally put that team on his shoulders. And that's what it's going to take for Josh Allen to to take his card values to the next level. He's going to have to go, go to the Super Bowl, 
uh, MVP, you know, season long MVP. And, and whereas Lamar Jackson, he's just got to get back to that 2019 form, so to speak, and make any kind of playoff run. And we're going to see his values go up. Like we could see his values go up week one once he gets back to, you know, juking out four or five defenders, 50 yard touchdown run. All of a sudden, Lamar Jackson's values go back up to the respectable level that they were at before. And and I keep going back to Paul's ranking of Dak Prescott, right? Mm-hmm. I, I keep Love going. It. I mean, if if Dak, I mean, I tried to buy some Dak and it it was a little too high. So uh I, I, I went with Kyler Murray, but man, I, I'm looking to buy, I'm looking to go to shows and get get Dak on hopefully some some cheaper deals just because you know, Cowboys. Someone else that's very interesting is, you know, Micah Parsons, you know, mm-hmm. defensive player. I mean, he was so transcendent. I mean, his his numbers were so ridiculous. And I know he's a defensive player, but he's once again, he's got a star quality. He's got a big personality. He's hilarious on social media. He wear he looks like a wide receiver. He wears number eleven. He's not like, you know, your typical like thicker pass rusher. He he just looks and acts like a star. Big school, five star athlete. I just freaking love it. But um, what, if, what if I told you, Carter, that Micah Parsons' base prism 2021 rookie card routinely sells for more than a starting NFL quarterback that also has first round draft pedigree and on a big market? Mm. Can you guess which quarterback that is? Ooh, from from 2021 class? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I guess Davis Mills, huh? No, no, it's actually Justin Fields. Justin Fields oh, really? has become has become the the most inexpensive base prism that I can find on eBay. Uh, I've actually seen some auctions of base prism Justin Fields going for a dollar plus four dollars shipping, but literally a dollar. And obviously, I think that's a, a good entry price point. Like, there's upside. I could see a Chicago fan paying ten, fifteen bucks just based on a big performance. But the Micah yeah. Parsons. It's, it's got value. Uh, all of his cards have value. Like he is a very popular player. That market size is is insane. Even even Jalen Tolbert. Like people are going out already and trying to buy Jalen Tolbert uh, college uniform auto cards from Bowman U uh, to get a slice of that Dallas Cowboys you know market size because they just have so much so many additional fans and and focus on what happens there. There we go. Well, Paul, we appreciate you. Nooffseason.com. All the way in Valencia, Spain, man. That is absolutely insane. I know, like, we'll say this for the next time you get on. We actually do have people in our Discord that live in Canada and live out of the country. So the next time we'll have you on, we'll talk about, like, some of the challenges you have. Um, yeah, as sure. Far, as far as like shipping and, and all of that, really quickly, is it tough? Is it just a headache, or are you able to, you know, make it make it work? Yeah, no, it's it's been a tough headache journey. The short version, and I'm happy to happy to come on any other time. I've had a blast. This is awesome. Uh, the short version is I landed on PWCC vaulting uh, my ah. cards for me because it allows me to um, to ship. They receive it, they uh, photograph it, uh, they list it in my vault. I can sell on eBay, on my slabs, on social media, wherever, and then I can ship it directly. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I don't have to handle any of the shipping. It took me a while to get there and make that decision and actually execute. It was a lot of work to try to execute that, but now I'm set up to do all that and I've been, I've been rolling, so it's been fun. And I know there's other services that do it. I know eBay actually just launched their vault as well. So I'm examining, do I 
do I punt on PWCC for eBay? Because that could have some advantages as well. Wow. Well, yeah, that's good, man. Well, check out his site, nooffseason.com. Comment below. We want to know, do you guys and gals that listen to the show, do you get into other cards? That's, you know, something I find so fascinating. Um, Andy, I don't know. I, uh, Paul's kind of motivated me to get into some, some NBA. I, as a part of that Jerry Rice trade, I got a Chris Paul Hornets game worn. I'm glad you mentioned um, Swing Cash a minute ago. I'm a huge Pelicans fan, so I'm kind of interested in getting into basketball and all that. So it's cool, Andy. This was a good first guest, M- Mr. Andy Kaysen. Abs- yes, it is. Absolutely, man. It's It's been a pleasure, Paul. And you've absolutely motivated me as well to double down on football cards and, <laughs> and, and actually <laughs> do <Love> something <laughs> that I've always wanted to do, and that is build a fantasy football draft kit. And so uh, Paul and I yes. are, are partnered up this summer to build a fantasy football draft kit. Uh, very excited about that as well. And uh, just more football card fun, man. Let's go. Plug the draft kit. More to come on the draft kit. I'm excited about that as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, Thanks I for having me, guys. guys. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you could join us today, Paul. And uh, look forward to next time. get started like what all do you collect paul okay um well a little bit of everything like i've um my favorite is basketball nice okay um that's kind of been my number one sport since i was a kid i've always collected basketball obviously with a little hiatus you know a little 30 year hiatus i'll be 41 this year so i collected for several years when i was a little kid and then uh and basketball kind of got me back into it. So finding my old basketball card collection a couple years ago got me back into it. But as Andy knows, and as you may know, Carter, I'm a huge fantasy football guy. Um, yeah. I've always, I've, I've been obsessed with fantasy football since about 2002, 2003. Um, played in a dynasty league with some of my closest buddies from college. And um, so football cards, I'm, I'm intrigued by football cards. I would, I would rank... I would rank them basketball, football, uh, baseball. And then living in Spain, uh, I never uh, was into soccer before we moved here. But now I have to be into soccer because it's the whole culture basically yeah. in Spain and in most of Europe. So now I'm into soccer a little bit. Uh, I'd say those are my main my main four. That's, that's good, man. That's good. But two main guys, uh, Magic Johnson and Giannis. Those are, those are kind of my main no. guys, so... That's it's kind of random. Those two guys, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Why? Why those two guys? I'm I'm curious. Uh, I mean, similar to your allegiance to LSU, right? I've got an allegiance to uh, Michigan State. So, from a Magic perspective, okay. Um, yeah. Growing up, uh, learning about Magic being from Lansing and going to Michigan State, and then I went to Michigan State. So, I'm a huge oh, cool. Michigan right. State uh, basketball and football fan. So, um, so that's why magic. And then, and there's a lot of stories in my, my, between like sort of people in my family who, who know magic and have met him and stuff. Uh, and then, uh, Giannis, honestly, because I was in a fantasy basketball league. I want to say this was 2000. I'm going to pick the year. I'm trying to pick the year like that. He actually started 
performing well. I feel like I drafted him when he was still a sleeper. So I don't know if that would have been like 2015, maybe. Anyway, he ended up then becoming obviously the two-time MVP and the player that he is today. Um, So I've just always had like this kind of allegiance to Giannis. You know how it is like when you play fantasy football and you make the right pick, like you want to collect that guy's cards also because he won you a championship or whatever. So I kind of feel that way about Giannis. Yeah, that's my fiance's favorite player because he uh, he likes Harry Styles. That's it. Uh, but <laughs> nice. uh, but but yeah, I, I'm, I love Giannis. It's cool, man. He's just very. He's just an interesting guy. He's not dull. Totally, that's what I love about him. Totally, yeah, I like his style of play a lot. A so lot. Not not like he's Tim a... Duncan. I hear like Tim Duncan's very well. You know, you know someone who I think is dull. I, I think like like you know I I understand like he's interesting he's a good player uh and and I like him a lot but I think he's kind of it's Jason Tatum I I get nothing out of his personality right Giannis is hilarious like he has got like when basketball's done he's gonna get the most money ever to be an analyst like it's <laughs> nuts how interesting of a guy he is like the dad jokes and all of that i just love athletes like him that just don't re- i mean he takes everything serious but he de- like you know what i'm talking about paul he's got this totally yeah he, he's very self-aware like he understands where yeah. he is and all that so he does these dad jokes to make it more relatable which is really genius stuff honestly one of the things that i think is obviously really cool about what you guys do and what andy's been doing is like there are plays that can be made in the football card market that are actually similar to how you would manage a fantasy team. Uh, But there's obviously distinct differences in terms of that. So I have some experience from doing that the last couple of years that I can talk about and get your guys take on as well. So yeah, it's awesome. A little riskier. I think it's a little riskier than basketball. I agree. I, 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 I agree to a certain extent, but then again, I saw people set money on fire with Kobe white cards so true uh, true uh yeah. it's that's it's a fascinating thing i've actually got some kobe white cards that's right they're still yeah, sitting on com c i had no clue what i do 